Mexico, New Orleans, Belize, El Salvador, Florida, these are just a few of the places Fordham University students travel to learn about issues of social, economic, political, and environmental injustice and what they can do about it. Good morning, I'm Robin Shannon, and this is Fordham Conversations on WFUV. This morning, we'll hear about the service program Global Outreach from its director, Paul Francis, and two students who recently participated in the program, Christine Gosney and Nicole Dieters. Good morning, all. Good morning. Good morning. Now, Paul, I'd like to start with you. Um, what is the Global Outreach Program, and how did it get started at Fordham? Well, um, it's really hard to describe, but in a nutshell, it is a uh, service and cultural immersion program. And as you described, we really strive to have students learn about issues of poverty and injustice. And we really want them to take a lot from the experience. We don't really see it as a, a helping program or a, a teaching program more of a learning program and we really want to develop partnerships and relationships with the folks we work with whether it's uh, right here in New York City, Mississippi, um, San Diego or Mexico or Ghana or South Africa or wherever it is. And I was going to ask Paul how many different uh, areas do students usually visit? Uh, This year I think we're scheduled to do 27 projects and they will be traveling. We've already had groups travel over winter and spring breaks and we have uh, about 10 projects getting ready to gear up for summer break. And uh, turning to uh, Christine Gosney, what drew you to Fordham's Global Outreach Program? Um, My first project was when I was a freshman, so four years ago. I'm a senior now. In high school, as well as in grade school, I was really interested in going somewhere different, learning about different people, kind of just getting my hands dirty, um, you know, getting rid of the suburban bubble, so to speak. Um, Where are you from? I'm from right outside D.C. in Maryland, um, Silver Spring, Maryland. But... As a freshman, it just sounded like a great program. Um, I got to meet a lot of new people. I got to learn about different ways to participate on campus rather than just um, just Global Outreach. It was kind of like a gateway to lots of different groups and like events and really cool activities to do. Um, and where did you get to travel to? I went to Mississippi when I was a freshman. Um, it's northeast Mississippi, outside of Aberdeen. And why Mississippi? Why Mississippi? Um, I applied to um, different projects, and that was just the one that I ended up getting on. Um, and that um, specific project was a camp. It was a Catholic camp. Um, and less than 1% of people in Mississippi are Catholic. Um, and that was just really interesting to actually be there and to see kids you know, dealing with that. Um, and the kids were anywhere from like you know, eight to like 12 or something. And you said dealing with that, dealing with what? Um, what it's like for them growing up being a religious minority in the in the South. Right. So that was just interesting. Um, and, and the camp was great. Um, I found that they're just as excited about it as, you know, the kids I grew up with. I grew up in a Catholic school. Um, and they just wanted a place to talk to other kids about, you know, what they believed and what they were learning because sometimes that's hard, just the hard part is like having an open dialogue with other kids as well. And just a place to be kids. It was like in the mountains and we went swimming every day and did lots of different like sports and stuff. So it was really cool. So set it up for me. You went there, um, mm-hmm. you, you were part of this program. You took a plane there. Mm-hmm. Did you have a host family or did you guys stay together? How, how was the living arrangement? The living arrangement? Um, well, it's very different for each project. Um, and my other projects were very different from this one. Mm-hmm. But when we were freshmen, we actually road tripped down there, which was really cool. Um, and we lived in the bunks with the kids. Um, we were camp counselors. It was um, 12 of us plus a couple other um, like local counselors that worked there in the past or that were campers there. Um, and we lived um, like in the, the 
the bunking arrangement. We, you know, slept in the bunk beds. We woke them up every morning. Um, and it was hot as anything down there. <laughs> you slept on top of your sheet. Um, you were, like, covered in sunscreen and bug spray all day long. Um, and what kind of activities mm-hmm. did you guys do? I mean, outside of the regular summer, volleyball, yeah. you know, swimming, what, what kind of activities did you do for Global Outreach? For Global Outreach? Um, beforehand or while we were there in Mississippi? While you were in Mississippi. Um, we were just workers of the camp. Um, that was part of it. Um, Global Outreach is... In, in its entirety, it's like a preparation program for whatever organization you're already you're like linking up with, and then like a follow up program. Okay. So you're building this community beforehand, and then you experience whatever the program already is. Like this is a camp called Camp Glen Mary, and they do this like, um, I think like four weeks out of the summer. They have um, two weeks of friendship camp, which is for underprivileged kids who can't afford to go to the camp, and then two weeks of the camp we participated in, which was Catholic camp. Um, so we, you know, go by their rules, and they have a, a bell that is the time for them. And they ring the bell, and you go to the next station. So we're kind of just like their helpers, basically. Okay. Yeah. And I do want to come back and talk about your, your second trip, but now I want to turn it to Nicole Dieters. So you've been on two global outreach trips so far, is that correct? Yes. So uh, where did you get to go, and how did you decide what project to go after? Um, last year, when I was a sophomore, I decided to apply to go Glen Mary, which is a farm in northeast Kentucky in like the heart of Appalachia, um, and it's really great. It's it's um, part of the Glen Mary Home Missioners. They're a group of priests that um, work for social justice issues, and we kind of just hooked up with the farm, stayed at the farm, and... You know, they brought us to many different places in the community. We got to learn about the people. We got to, um, we got to do some construction work. We got to work, uh, just talk to some elderly people. Um, and this was your first, yeah, this was, tour of duty, so to speak. Yeah, this this was my first project, and it was a really great way to start my global outreach experience. Um, had you had any connection with anything or anybody from Kentucky before? No, I. Um, knew absolutely nothing about the region. That was one thing that really drew me to it because, you know, Kentucky is a state in our country and I knew nothing about the region. And that's something that I think is really great about the Global Outreach Program is that they connect us with um, places both within our country and abroad. And you really get to um, learn something new about a completely different culture, but it's within our own borders, which is something that I thought was um, really great and a really great thing to learn. So what did you learn that was new in Kentucky? Um, you know, they live a lot differently than we do, but really the, but they're really the same, you know? Right. They're different, but they're also the same. Um, well, talk, talk, talk to me about that. How, how different was it? Yeah, it was, it was very different. Um, so describe something it was, that was different. It, it was a lot, obviously it was a lot more rural than what we experience here in New York City, in the Bronx. So um, did you like live on a farm or did you live with a group of people or yeah, how, how we, was your living conditions? Um, we, we lived on, we lived on a farm. It was called Glenmarie Farm. I mean, it's not a farm that maybe you would think of that has like cows and chickens and all that stuff, but, um, it was a great open space. It was a farm. We lived in bunks and, you know, we cooked all our own food and just the people that we met with, they did you pick your own food. <laughs> no, we, okay. we did not. We did not pick our own food, but it was a lot of, you know, PB&J and just sort of simple things. That's one of the main things about Global Outreach is that um, simple living is really emphasized. And like um, we learned that time was an important um, thing, such as cell phones and computers and, 
you know, we're always connected, I think, t today. And we learned that that really wasn't important. The people there aren't reliant on those sort of technologies. They focus on having conversations with people and really bonding with people instead of um, kind of living in your own little world and having your own little bubble. And now, now Nicole, where are you from? I'm from Albany, New York. Albany. Is it rural in Albany or is it city-like? Um, is it as fast-paced as Manhattan? No, it's definitely not as fast-paced as Manhattan. I actually live in a town outside of Albany. It's uh, it's a suburb, um, typical suburban neighborhood, I would say. And But this part of Kentucky was a lot slower than what you're used to. Absolutely. And this question is going to go to both Nicole and Christine. What was the event that you would say was the most shocking such a culture shock something that was just so totally different that you had to bring it back and tell people about it I think one thing that just really really affected me and just made me think about you know what sort of what our country is doing is that while we were in Kentucky there was there was a snowstorm so to so to speak nothing like a snowstorm in New York I think they maybe got probably an inch or less of snow <laughs> but the town shut down school schools were closed and um, it was it was really cold for what that area of Kentucky was used to in January. And I remember we were at a senior center just sort of helping out with whatever they needed to do while like talking and talking to all the seniors. But that that center also doubled as um, some sort of like heating, like house heating, like help service. There was a line of people out the door waiting for help. Um, they wanted um, probably like monetary help to get like heating. financial yeah financial help to get in their in their own homes okay. to get heating in their own homes and that was something that um, just really shocked me that there are people in this world that in this country even that are that are living without these sort of basic necessities that I that I completely take for granted because I I've always had them provided for me yeah. so that was one thing that really shocked me and Christine how about your experience in um, Mississippi yeah and in, in Mississippi I think it was um it was interesting to have culture shock when I didn't even go that far away um, uh, outside DC is considered South by some people but I never really identify myself as a southerner um, so in Mississippi um, all the kids and even um, your peers or even your elders call you miss or mister so I was miss Christine the mm -hmm. entire week and even today if I talk to team you know my teammates it still slips out that I'm like oh Miss Mary how are you doing right. <laughs> like, like a sign of respect <laughs> yeah and I thought that was really interesting and very sweet too um, and then there was another counselor who was um, who's a couple years older than than I am and he he and like a bunch of us had like a conversation um, in like the mess hall one night and we were just talking about the difference between like the southern mentality and the southern pace and then the pace you find in a lot of northeastern areas. So what's the difference? Um, it's just slower, but not duller. You just kind of like savor things more, mm -hmm. and they don't see the need to to see a point and have to get to that point mm -hmm. like so determinedly. And I just thought that was very interesting and and refreshing, and it it made me. I don't know, try to see how I could incorporate that in my life as well. Would it would you say it brought about a little more peacefulness maybe? Yeah, I think I think for one the whole the whole time I was there did because you know you're thrown into the outdoors, you can't hear like a car for miles. Um, did it freak you out at first because I know sometimes when people move from uh kind of a more bustling area mm -hmm. to a very quiet, you know, 
you can hear the crickets cricket yeah. you know that's kind of kind of weirds them out sometimes <laughs> um i don't for me it didn't i know it did for some friends i i like that i really like camping and things and and like kayaking and stuff so um, what did some of your friends say that were on the global outreach program with you um about that specific about, yeah specifically um, about like how mm -hmm. quiet it was or how slow it was or i think it's not really knowing what to think it's because your your head is like constantly working to block out all these noises or you're just so used to them you don't even think about it so it's like you can hear yourself like breathe you can hear yourself <laughs> Like, every thought coming into your head you're, like, aware of because there's just so much stillness around you. I'm Robin Shannon discussing Fordham's Global Outreach Service Program with its director, Paul Francis, and program participants, Christine Gosney and Nicole Dieters. Now I'm going to ask both Christine and Nicole to explain your experiences with something uh, the program calls the Four Pillars um, and how you use them on your trip. But first, I'd like it if Paul told us what those four pillars are and why the program has them. Sure, yeah. We The four pillars are community, spirituality, uh, simple living and social justice. And I think hearing uh, Nicole and Christine talk about their experiences, uh, specifically on Glen Mary Farm and Camp uh, Glen Mary in Mississippi, they really touched on all four of those pillars at one point or another. Um, we often use the analogy of a, uh, a four-piece puzzle, with uh, each one of those pillars being a piece of the puzzle interlocked so that each one is kind of uh, dependent on the other. And we just, over the years, kind of um, developed these uh, pillars as um, kind of the cornerstones of the program, kind of a way to just, um, if we could kind of boil the program down to four different elements, these are the four elements that we feel are um, not only essential to the, the program, but also kind of keep, um, keep the vision of the program going. Let's start with Nicole. Uh, tell me how individually the four pillars uh, worked into your experience um, when you went to Kentucky. Um, one of the... Immediately once you apply for these projects, it's a group of 12 of us that go as a team. And we get, for a winter project like Kentucky was, we go over our winter break, we get chosen in about October. And so then we have October to January to form a bond between us 12 team members. And that's sort of where the community comes in in pre-project preparation. However, um, then once we get to where we're going, so I went to Kentucky we are able to take our already established community and kind of integrate into their community. And that enabled us to be able to talk to others and learn a lot from others. Um, spirituality, Glen Mary is, very, is a very, very spiritual place. We have um, nightly ref reflections. It's just a really great way to, you know, just get our thoughts out there. And um, simple living, Glen Mary, I think is a unique project, maybe, in the fact that it's a farm rule that we're only allowed to take one shower during the entire week that we're there. Um, How did that work out? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely something that I was really, really nervous about because, I mean, I'm used to showering every day here. So, you know, it was a great way to, you know, just to go without. And with going without a shower, what did that accomplish? Um. I don't know if there's like a set thing that it accomplished, but I don't know. It just makes you think about things differently. When I got, I learned that, you know, maybe I don't need to take a shower every day. You know, I could be, wa I could, I'm wasting so much water right. by, 
you know, some people shower two or three times a day and just to think about it, you know, I want to, I want a week without. So and maybe yeah. I don't need to lotion up every day. Exactly. Maybe I don't need to you yeah. know, eat as much as I eat or yeah. maybe I don't, you don't have to, to be focused on consume your, as much as I You don't have consume. to be focused on your outside appearances when it's, you know, what's inside you that really matters. Mm hmm. And what about social justice? The social justice. Um, well, we were in an area of the United States where the poverty level is, I don't know, probably more than twice the national average. Um, in Kentucky. In, yeah. What area of Kentucky was this? Um, Northeast Kentucky. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's it was Lewis County. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's right outside of Louisville. But we learned that despite this poverty level in this in this region, they still have the same thirst for life they're still happy they they may not have everything they need materially but it seems as though they have everything that they have like they have love within within the community they have and, the necessities yeah and that's you know and that's something that, that's all that matters you like know? the social necessities i mean you know friendship family, yeah oh exactly like they have you know yeah <laughs> friends and love and everything <laughs> now christine uh, same question for you tell me how community spirituality social justice and simple living related to your first trip when you went to mississippi for um, my project in mississippi went in june and the team got together in very early february so you know you spent all those months preparing and having weekly meetings and that's really when you're kind of like setting the groundwork for what will be like a very strong, hopefully a very strong community when you actually go on the project. And for social justice, um, it's a difference in poverty level as well. When you're engaging in simple living, you're trying to trying to understand what it's like for people who have to live like this day by day um, and take yourself out of the level of, of like materialism and like consumerism that you're used to engaging in, for good or bad. Um, community. Aside from building the community within the, the Fornum team, it's kind of like building that community but then having open arms to the community you're going to be working in. And spirituality. Um, well, for one, being outside in nature definitely gave our team the opportunity just to really reflect. And each group has um, weekly reflections for every meeting as well as nightly reflections when you're on a project. And that's just a time to decompress and to talk and segueing to my other project. Um, <laughs> Because you did two others. I did. Um, Mississippi when I was a and what were the other two? Um, I did, when I was a sophomore, I went to Mexico. Mm -hmm. And we went to Mexicali and Tijuana in the Baja region of California. Um, I'll give you a rundown of like a typical day okay. um, in, in Mexico. In the morning, we would do sort of manual labor. We would either work in a beef farm or we would go to a cactus farm and help them weed. Or we would go to um, a school and help put down either grass or cement, um, depending on the need. And like each city is different. And then we would like... Maybe visit um, a woman who started up a business in her um, in her home, like a, a regular clothing shop or jewelry shop. It was great because the experiences were vast, and we met a lot of different people, but we had a good amount of time just to speak with people and How hear their stories. How long were you there? Uh, we were there for a week. We had um, a year-long volunteer who was our guide, as well as someone from Mexico who was working with the organization who was our guide as well. And so being there and having his family there, you know, he could speak a lot to what it was really like to live there and to deal with a lot of the um, social injustices that they face being so close to the U.S.-Mexico border mm -hmm. and, and just dealing with what it's like to be stigmatized in that way, um, what it's like to, to really feel like you, ha you have to cross the border, maybe, illegal, maybe legally, maybe illegally. Um, Did you hear any stories about that kind of passion as to, like, why it was necessary? Yeah, um... Well, for one, 
um, a lot of people's economic situation demands it. It's a lot of young men and fathers going across the border. That leaves the women by themselves. Mm -hmm. Leaves Mm -hmm. the women by themselves. Um, People are sending money back home. Um, At the same time, we had um, the man I spoke of who is from Mexico who is working with us, his name's Alonso. When he was like 16, he used to jump the the fence um, and go and be a day laborer and then come back home and bring money. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon. I'll be right back to continue my conversation about Fordham's Global Outreach Service Program with its director, Paul Francis, and program participants, Christine Gosney and Nicole Dieters. A lot of comic book superheroes fight for justice in a city very much like New York, or in New York itself. Peter Parker, a.k.a. your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, hails from Queens. Hi, I'm George Bodarki. Coming up on this morning's Cityscape, New York City, the land of superheroes, real and make-believe. Yes, I said real and make-believe. That's Cityscape this morning at 7.30, right here on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Paul, I want to ask a little bit about the um, global outreach service that Christine touched on. She talked about direct service, but then isn't there also, what is it, immersion Immersion service? Could you talk to me a little bit about those? Yeah, I always say there's like two ends of the spectrum. There's uh, immersion projects and then there's service projects. Um, Some are like more geared towards a a service project. Some are more geared towards an immersion experience. Examples? Um, Good example of a service project is our Guatemala project. The uh, the team works with Habitat for Humanity, and they build a house there, and that's and that's really easy to describe to students or to their families that they're going to be doing physical labor and they'll have an end result. The immersion piece is a little more difficult to touch upon, and I think we'll probably hear when um, uh, Nicole talks about her experiences in Peru. That's much more of a immersion experience. Okay, Nicole, um, you want to talk about Peru? Yeah, in Peru, it definitely is a cultural immersion experience. Um, one of the hard things about um, like talking about cultural immersion projects is it's hard to say what we really did, you know? Like, like it's not a tangible goal? Exactly. We didn't we didn't really do anything tangible, but the things we learned from people through conversations and through learning, just learning about them and their culture is what we really took away from it. Um, so a lot of the time we stayed in Lima, Peru, the capital city. Um, we got to stay with a local family. Our entire team together stayed with this wonderful, wonderful family. Who the, Now, how many people were in your team? Twelve. So twelve, 12 people stayed with one family? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, this family. What was that like? Yeah, well, this family hosts groups like similar to Global Outreach Groups throughout the year. So they have a they have a sort of bunk space for us to stay. So everyone, everyone did have a bed and... Um, we did lots of, we did sort of fun things. They took us to Peruvian dances where we got to learn how to dance. And, um, yeah, we just learned about the culture. We went to different lectures. Um, uh, Christine, did you go on immersion projects, direct service projects? Because mm-hmm. you've done three. Yeah, I've done a bunch. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I've Both? actually, yes, I did. So um, which was, was which out of all the ones you went yeah. to? Um, Mississippi was service because we were acting as counselors. Um, Mexico was, Mexico was kind of a hybrid because we would do direct service in the morning and then immersion in the evening. Um, and then, uh, just this past March, I actually led a project to Ecuador. You were a team leader. Yeah. So I was mm-hmm. a team leader and that was, that was very interesting. So what, what was the difference experience between being a team leader mm-hmm. and, and being, being a, a participant? Because the global outreach pro- project is not just, 
I get together the week before I go. I go on this trip. I work real hard. I come back and I talk about it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot involved. So being a team leader, Miss Team Leader, yeah. uh, tell me about it. Tell me sure. about the, the process. The process. Um, I was picked in October. Um, and I knew I wanted to lead a project because I had such great experiences as a team member. Um, so once um, I was picked, then I picked the team, picked chaperones, had meetings. Um, I, I took a lot of responsibility on as on myself because that's the kind of leader I wanted to be. It was nice to delegate responsibilities and certain people were, you know, fundraising expert or coordinator or certain people were in charge of um, planning the retreat that we have as a team, like a weekend together. Um, which is a really good bonding experience. And it, it was it was interesting being a leader because I had to find balance between being a participant as well as being a leader. So as a team leader, Christine, mm -hmm. there are some important rules to follow in the Global Outreach Program. No cell phones, no iPods, no dating. So was this aspect of the program challenging for you or anybody in your group? Um, I think it's always interesting because um, when you go into a program and you get rules like that you kind of don't you don't really know what to think like why are these rules here what do, what do they pertain to me for um we have the three d's it's no drugs um no drinking and no dating um no drugs and no drinking for obvious reasons um illegal like if, if it's illegal it's illegal as well as um kind of exclusivity you don't want to you don't want to bond in that way because for a team that's not what it's that's not what it's really about you want to have clicks yeah, and mm -hmm. that's the same for no dating. Uh, no dating applies to just no clicking as well. Mm -hmm. So, Nicole, do you know what you want, what career you want when you graduate? Um, no, no, I have absolutely no idea, mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, I would love to stay involved in some sort of, whether or not it's an organization like Global Outreach or um, possibly enter the Peace Corps or do a, a Jesuit Volunteer Corps or something like that, um, some sort of volunteer program. Why is volunteering important? Um, to me, it's just, it's about, it's learning for me. I, when I go to a new place or to a new culture, I have the opportunity to learn so much that I didn't know before. Christine, same question. Um, do you know what you want to do career-wise when you graduate? Um, I have a bunch of different ideas. Um, I've worked um, combining a lot of my social justice experience with my um, journalism and uh, English communication experience um, through internships that I've had. I graduate in May um, and I'm hopefully um, doing the Jesuit Volunteer Corps mm -hmm. for a year. I'll find out shortly if I if I can do that for a year. And why is volunteering important? It's a way to open your eyes to new people. Um, I mean we live in a, a global society at this point so engaging in different cultures different issues is is broadening and it's empowering and you learn a lot more about yourself you learn a lot more about your neighbors whether your neighbors are in peru or in ecuador or you know down the street in our like fort and bedford neighborhood of the bronx can i ask what do you think motivates you to be involved in community service That's um toughie yeah. I'm going to ask you next. <laughs> <laughs> Be prepared. I've been preparing for everything <laughs> For me, my my parents, you know, have instilled it in me from a very young age. I've I feel like I've always been involved in something. I probably from since I was 7, my grandpa used to 
um, deli- do a Meals on Wheels sort of program. I don't know if they have that in New York City, but... Yeah, they do. They do. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, the Meals on Wheels sort of program in Albany. And he just took me around with him from the, probably the age of, like, 7 to 15. And I would just, like, go up and, you know, deliver these meals. And, you know, it was just things like that that have encouraged me to continue doing um, community service and, like, cultural immersion sorts of experiences. Christine? <laughs> I'm trying to to think back to that like first spark when I first got involved in community service, and I think it was through um, student government in grade school, um, just because it was like, oh yeah, let's do a walk for the homeless and wear fun T-shirts. <laughs> but um, I think what what keeps me coming back to doing community service is you know uh, very similar to what what I you know said a little bit earlier about um, feeling very engaged and connected with with my neighborhood and with people all around the world. It's really, it brings up so many questions in, in my life and it makes me really... Um, think. Yeah, it makes me really think and and wonder and and probe and just very interested. You in, sound inquisitive. sound very uh, yeah. inquisitive. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the bane of my family's existence. <laughs> Always asking questions. <laughs> why, why, why? I could see as a little girl, why, yeah. why, why? Where are we why, going? Why, why, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When do we get there? <laughs> are we there yet? So, Paul, can I ask what makes a good volunteer, whether it be for Fordham's Global Outreach Program or any community service opportunity? If you're volunteering, working, I think it's just all about um, engaging in your community and learning about what's happening at your local, national, international level. And um, I think it's it goes back to reciprocity and just kind of you've received a lot from your community. It's it's kind of just I think ingrained in a lot of us just to give back uh, as much as possible. And I think it kind of goes back to the the saying, um, you know, if you want peace, work for justice. I think in the end, we're really learning about uh, justice and kind of the commonalities that we all have as, as humans. My thanks to Paul Francis, Fordham University's Global Outreach Director and Global Outreach Participants, Christine Gosney and Nicole Dieters. This has been Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. Next week, Mary Wilson will be your host. Stay with us. George Bodarkey and Cityscape are next on WFUV. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody.